Welcome everyone to the Evolution Exchange Gaming Podcast. This is a live edition, live in person at Star Stable. I'm joined by Petra Skupen, who is the Chief People Officer at Star Stable. And today we're talking about unlocking neurodiversity as a superpower in the gaming industry. Hi everyone, this is Chris Bennett here, the Nordics Managing Director here at Evolution. We're committed to doing recruitment in a different way that adds value to both our clients and candidates by providing you with amazing speakers and leading edge discussions on what's going on in the tech scene at the moment. There are three reasons why you should contact me. If you would like to speak on a future podcast, if you are interested in hiring awesome tech data, product or gaming freelancers for your business, or if you are looking for an exciting new organization to work with, please get in touch. Thank you so much for listening, and I really hope to hear from you soon. Please enjoy the rest of the podcast. Petro has been in the HR industry for decades, right? Yes. Yes, that's the right. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely. Very long time. Yes. And in the gaming industry, I believe Star Stable is the first position. And I feel like from our conversation, she's noticed a lot of a neurodiverse people in the gaming industry. And I think one of the topics that came up is the superpower that neurodiverse people do have and today we're going to go into it from both the talent perspective from a candidate side how you can maximize that also from the leader side how to actually maximize that potential and things to know so Petra welcome welcome to the show maybe a quick introduction from yourself yes uh, I'm Petra I've been working with HR since actually the very late 1990s Mm. so a bit of a while and I'm not an expert in neurodiversity but I think I come with a lot of experience working with different people, different minds. Uh, I worked in different companies also where where I've been seeing people thrive. But I have never, ever met a company like Star Stable or an industry for the fact where people are really allowed to be them true selves mm. in a much, much better way than I've ever seen before. So I feel so glad to be here in this company for that reason. And uh, if you and I can share just a little bit glimpse and also listen to the audience, if you have any questions and tips and tricks for me and us, we would love to hear them, wouldn't we? 100%. And if you're new to a live event, like on Twitch, mm-hmm. but basically the comment section is a live chat. So we can see your chat. Um, my colleague Andy will highlight a message, but essentially at the end of the show, we'll do a Q&A section and we'll cover as much as possible, but also what Petra said. If you have any tips or advice that you can share, we'll definitely talk about those as well. Or if we say really crazy stuff, yeah. please let us know. Hold us accountable. Yes, do, please. Lovely. Uh, so we'll move on to the first question then, which is, what does neurodivergent mean? Yeah, what does it mean? And now I'm going to read here because I'm going to make a quotation for you. Uh, and maybe some of you have read the book, The Art of War by Sun Tzu. Have you? I've heard of it. I've tried to read it, but I couldn't find the actual copy. You couldn't. Anyway, uh, she uh, in this book, it's very well described. There are not more than five primary colors, yet in combination they produce more colors than can ever be seen. There are not more than five cardinal tastes, yet in combination they yield more flavors than can ever be tasted. And it's the same with brains, you know. We have one billion brain cells, and how they are combined will define us as human beings. And of course, the more people you have with differently wired brains, the more good ideas will pop out. And if you only had one set, you know, five primary colors, five primary tastes, it doesn't give us much. So neurodiversity 
Uh, we all are neurodiverse, but some people are more than others. And those are the ones with ADD, ADHD, autism, Asperger or dyslexia, for instance. So that is what we're going to talk about today. Mm. So there's a lot of different aspects to being neurodiverse. It's not definitely like the word spectrum comes to mind. It's mm. definitely not. It's not binary. No. Right. No, it isn't. 100%. Um, lovely. Uh, the next question, which I'm going to zoom in here. Apologies for squinting here. So is is it important to hold people to create? Sorry, I'm so sorry. Is it important to label people to create a more inclusive environment? Which I think is quite interesting question, actually. It's like, what is the importance? Is there a benefit to actually label these people? Yes and no. Okay. Uh, since I think we are all a little bit diverse, hopefully. <laughs> uh, in a way, uh, putting a label on people who don't want labels can be making people small. And it can also be extremely intimidating, I think, mm. because. I don't mind labels, but sometimes if you have it and you know it and you feel comfortable with it, maybe it also helps for yourself and others to understand both your strengths and your weaknesses. And we will come to that a little bit later. But I have a son with autism. He's high functioning. And in school, uh, his uh, school was awfully difficult for him. But now when he works, he's 19, he's got his first job. They love him. He loves his job. He's in the right place. They don't even know that he has a diagnosis because he's not needed to know. Mm. Uh, but in school, we definitely needed to be known because school didn't work out. He needed a lot of extra support there. Mm. But at work, he doesn't because he's in the right place. So the label was very useful in the education because mm. I'm guessing like there's very not very adaptable, right? Yeah. But is there an instance at work where labels are useful? Because in that instance, you're saying that it wasn't useful. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, people, I mean, if you came to Star Stable or most gaming companies and I have this or that diagnosis, I think nobody would care. But if you come to more strict and old fashioned company, maybe it will block you. Mm. So I don't know. I, I think it's really up to each and every one to share. Like from the, the neurodiverse person themselves yeah, like to make yeah. that decision. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, yeah, you choose for yourself, guys. It's If you have, an, if you have it, it's, it's, it's up to you. Mm -hmm. But as an employer, it's really important that you still look for talent and what people can accomplish, not labels. Yes. Next question. So why should we include neurodiverse people in gaming? Because we make money of it. Okay. It's as simple as that. Uh, I think that if you only have one set of skills and one set of thinking, how could you develop the best games ever? Mm. I don't think you could. And how could you have people with, you know, really good ideas, creative ideas, out-of-the-box ideas, if everyone were stereotypes? Uh, when I started work a very long time ago, since I'm an old person, <laughs> I remember that we always looked for, you know, the cultural space. It was quite narrow what talent looked like. Uh, and we're going to talk about recruitment later, but, you know, we did this recruitment profile and I was taught to not look for people that wasn't average, you know, that has spiky profiles or it turned out to be, uh, you know, they are very odd. They are very high on this level here or this level there. I think you the listening can uh, recognize that. But today I have learned to love the profiles that look different because they probably come with different ideas. I don't want people to be the same. How can you develop a game if everyone function the same i don't believe in that so in a gaming studio mm. do you think it's even more important yes because we need even if no matter if you're developing a new game you know you need to come up with an idea that nobody had thought of before when it comes to a game what could it be there are quite some games out there what could be new or 
like at Star Stable, we have a game that's been online for 12 years. How can we continue to develop it out of the box so that our loyal players come back again and again? You need those different perspectives. Yes, we need different yeah. perspectives. So next question. What is your experience of high-performing gaming cultures and how are they built? So this is more, I guess, generic about the fact that, like, in terms of you have a gaming studio, you recognize there's a high-performance culture here. Like, what actually is the reason behind that, you think? I think it's kindness, you know. Uh, kindness is a superpower, is one of our uh, values. And people are kind, you know. If you're kind and if you look for the good in others and if you look how, what can you contribute with rather than finding errors and mistakes, uh, then I think it's even easier to be neurodiverse. And it could be as simple as you don't mind that people don't want to eat lunch. My son, for instance, I take him as an example, but he cannot eat and talk at the same time. I cannot talk, eat with the, or I cannot um, eat with talk in my mouth, mum. Uh, at his current job, where in school he had to sit with people and eat all the time. In his current job, he had eat lunch alone because that is the setup. And it could be those small, small traits that make it easy. And I think this gaming culture where people work in hybrid, they come in and come out, some have their fixed places, some don't. It's much easier to perform than if your personal needs can be taken into account. So you need to adapt. And I think like, like I, if I'm looking at it from a gaming studio leader perspective, and I'm like, I would want all of my uh, developers, artists, I want them to have lunch together and hopefully, you know, start bonding as well. But I think if you're quite focused on that, then you miss out on these nuances. Yeah, if you work in, in the analytics department uh, and are a super nerd and can see whatever pattern in an analytics in, and then you're forced to come in and sit and have lunch with others every day and you just hate it and you can't eat because you cannot concentrate. Pontus never eats when he when he talks and then he needs to take plate afterwards and go sit somewhere else and eat actually. Yeah. What if they have that and you force them because you're not humble and see that it doesn't matter because that is what not not the performance to count. Yeah. That is one typical example, uh, which I would think of. Yeah, All right. you just make sure you adapt. So you mentioned spiky profiles before. I uh, love wanna, spiky profiles. I, I love the world. I want to double click on that. What is a spiky profile? I think I'm a bit spiky sometimes. Okay, <laughs> elaborate. <laughs> a spiky profile is those, you know, you're super good at something, but you're also super weak at something. And if you have a diagnosis, mm -hmm. like in dyslexia, you're probably bad at spelling. And you might find it difficult to read. Mm. But probably very, very creative instead because you see different patterns. You don't see the same patterns as others do, but you see other patterns. Mm. Are you with me? Yeah. And that can be whatever pattern. And often they do other stuff. And that is a spiky profile. But if you then, like in school, or have that person to be constantly right spelling, not using you know the tool single well to translate right, well, then you have a problem because then you're looking for what they're bad at, not what they're good at. Mm. Uh, and uh, people with ADHD, and now I'm both exaggerating and this doesn't go for everyone. But, you know, people that have the capacity to have flow, you know, yeah. real concentrated deep flow for hours. That is often a bit spiky. A lot of people can't. Others can. I think that a lot of crunches out there and a lot of games delivered on time with excellence have been done by someone with ADHD or autism that has been, you know, super, super focused for a little while. As an employer, you can allow it, not necessarily demand it, but then also give people time off afterwards. Mm -hmm. Say someone do, uh, I have worked for 12 hours in this. And then I, as an HR lead, I'm very confident comfortable with people doing it if they want to but they also need to take the time off uh, i would like to address that for other leaders as well 
you know, like I sound so much more understanding and adaptable. Like when I was at university, I was very much the type where unless there's a deadline, I'm not really doing much. So if there's a deadline in a week, I can go into that 10 hour flow, which I'm sure a lot of people can relate from the education days. I even at work, if there's something I really enjoy, like posting something on LinkedIn or, you know, trying to organize a podcast together, I can just go head first and just focus on it for hours. Mm-hmm. However, if I know I have a lot of mini stuff to do, that's where I like, okay, I need to actually put some planning here. It's like spend an hour here, spend an hour there. And I think in gaming, you have that tenfold because it's sometimes you can be so specialized where mm-hmm. I feel like you have a spiky profile, like you mentioned, mm-hmm. who can just go for six hours mm-hmm. and just attack the way they want to structure their day. And I think if you're not adaptable, like you mentioned, you're just missing out, right? And it's very nice when these all aligns with what the studio wants, right? We want to deliver on time, deliver quality games. Mm-hmm. And if that's what your kind of developers and artists are mm-hmm. looking to do, then as long as we align, everyone's kind of happy. So I think just the key here is being able to adapt, I feel. Yeah, yeah being able to adapt, but also not uh, not push people too hard, but just because they have that capability, I would mm. like to add as well. Uh, I think that happens every now and then. But what I've also seen, and uh, people comment if you like, I have seen that in the small studios or in small companies, you can often be much more flexible, you know. Yeah. There are this like, and then the the bigger the company grows, the bigger the studio grows, the more structured it's going to be. And there lies a bit of a conflict in that because you cannot have a big studio without a set of rules uh, and a lot of time if you have a diagnosis it's really good to have the rules especially with autism and asperger you know what is right and what is wrong and what is ex- expected of me i think we all need that uh, my recommendation there to allow for people to still be their best self is to have the set of rules wherever you work and however it is and ways of working and so forth but be humble and able to adapt for those who really need it, especially if you have people where you can see that they actually need the spikiness. Uh, and still you can expect of everyone to sit down for lunch once a month and, you know, with the team. Of course you can do that, but perhaps not every day. It can be those small traits that make it possible for people to, to grow and flow, uh, but also be adapted. But still you have basic rules. Uh, I think a lot of these are sliders, right? You can do much every day, mm-hmm. much every month. Mm-hmm. Never do lunch. I think mm. there's always a balance. Yeah, there is always. And I think you need a balance. I don't think you can have it super adapted and perfect for everyone. Yeah. Uh, but you can still be a bit humble. Mm-hmm. No, 100%. In terms of the next question, so are there more often out-of-the-box thinking? So this is to follow up on the spiky profile. So I don't know if you have any stories or examples here in terms of a spiky profile. Like you say it mm. lends to out-of-the-box thinking. Like Is that mm. true in practice? Yeah, uh, and when it comes to change, currently we're in a in a period of uh, uh, time in the world economy where a lot of changes are happening at a lot of companies, right? Yes. And people with ADHD, for instance, and now I'm stereotyping, doesn't go for all, but for a lot, they are much more curious and they are much more adventurous. Those mm-hmm. who are probably on the Christopher Columbus ship from Spain to <laughs> the <laughs> America, uh, those are one, not the unsure that wanted to have it the same way all the time. Mm-hmm. If you have a bunch of happy uh, people with a little bit of spike on, on the curious side, they will probably not so, be so afraid of testing the new. And I think you gave me a super good example that you need to have some spiky profiles in your company as well when you told me about how you started with those uh, podcasts yeah. during the pandemic. Can't you please tell the audience? Yeah, I mean... The way we started the podcast is, well, one of our values is 
improving the like being most known of improving the recruitment experience mm. hopefully i got that right uh and during the pandemic a lot of studios um on the tech side were having issues with remote working so mm. we were like well let's rather than talk to each other about it let's bring a few studios and tech companies together to talk about it live on the podcast and we did one with Klarna and then that was two years ago now and now we've done over 100 gaming podcasts and over like 250 uh, total podcasts mm. in our evolution and it's one of those where because of we had no one was hiring right it was mm. the pandemic every, it was all question marks we were like okay we have this time let's think of something else so I think with constraint you have um, innovation mm. and like change the game for everyone like we're now a community-led recruitment company so mm. It just pivoted everything in what we do. I've only known this type of recruitment where we do events like this and try to give as much value as possible. So I think, like you said, like in a period of change or constraint, like a lot of studios having fixed headcounts, mm-hmm. like that changes what you can do, right? Like mm-hmm. you can't just buy your out your way out of a problem. We're like, okay, what other potential technical solution mm-hmm. might be happening? And we've I've already heard of examples from studios who trying something new mm. ai's come in the game the last few months so i think like you said with constraint maybe look for those spiky profiles and see you know hey maybe spend i love that sas never has that passion week mm. so i think that's such a nice way to like you are giving the reins back to people and i can imagine so many innovations coming out from that yeah passion week passion week i think every company should have by the way uh i have never seen it before exactly neither you are the only company that i know have i think i've heard of passion days just not passion week. We have a week where everyone is allowed to work with almost whatever they want, as long as it has some kind of relation to the game, uh, which means that everyone is supposed to be out of the box, do what fi- make them curious and so on. We have snow in the game, for instance, come out of passion week. Nice. And that is one of the big features in the game. So a lot of the things that has been really profitable for us, to be honest, has come of those passion week where we just let passion out and creativity out and if everyone were thinking likewise and were in the same setup, it will work. Mm-hmm. We have people from, I think, 40 countries, if I remind myself right. Uh, we have a lot of people with uh, actually uh, diagnosis of different kinds. I know that for sure. Different ages, uh, genders, mm-hmm. all of that. And I think it's so brilliant to bring those different minded people together because that creates something. And also let it loose. That is also my best advice if you have those spiky profile use the spikiness let people be them true selves and let their ideas actually flow 100 percent. i think in a remote world where you have meetings and sometimes mm. one to five plus meetings in a day mm. i think a week of focused work like you'd be mm. surprised how much you get out where you might think that would have taken three months you can see you can just get crazy mm. new feature like a whole new feature for a game for example i love that and i think that needs to be part of everyone's work schedule like if you don't have a passion week when are you actually spending time on things that might not work mm. you need that and i think in gaming specifically you need that even more because like you can't just maintain your whole life if you're not coming up with new features and new games like you are just gonna fall behind no and don't for a second think that the middle-aged people in the management team can think it out self they can't <laughs> <laughs> i'm pretty sure about that so yeah. no no you need a bit of bottom-up like, hey, yes. maybe we should try this. Maybe we should try that. Absolutely. Lovely. Um, the next question, could you bring that up? Andy, if that's okay. The next question is, what is your advice on recruiting beyond the stereotype? And just a extra cheeky question from my side, mm. especially when you don't have the labels, right? Mm. Like if you have recruitment processes, 
but you don't potentially know, do you guess? Like, um, just want some information on that like when you're recruiting. Like, if you have a culture fit, what does that actually mean? Like, can you speak on that? To some extent, you need to share the base values. I think what I would never compromise on is uh, that people are not racists. Are you with me? There are some core values, <laughs> for instance, just one. There are a lot of core values that you just need to have. Uh, and those you should never compromise on. Yeah. It could be whatever it is at any company. But then there are other things, how people dress, how old they are, what gender, mm. uh, no matter what it is. And also if they have any kind of diagnosis, uh, go for what they want to achieve and how they want to achieve it. Because and how they work with others. And if they feel curious and interested in where you're going. And if you do personal tests, and I have done a lot in my years, don't worry about the spikiness. Go for the spikiness. Mm. Find those less average. And I, I'm going to give you an example. This is not from the gaming industry, but it was a recruitment I did many years ago. Uh, as I had my own recruitment company, so I actually got pretty good pay for this recruitment, which was extra cool. It was this small, small company that did, um, they did a target that was hanging after a submarine. So when you were firefighting against submarines, you shoot at this. It was like two kilometers on a wire after the submarine. Okay. And you, no, like that was big. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Now, live big defense industry. And they were pinging. And hopefully you didn't shoot then at the submarine, but that's this pinging thing that you... Yeah, fingers crossed. You don't. You don't. And of course, when they melt mounted this together it needed to be exactly exactly right every time or it wouldn't ping right could be very bad yes yes and they asked me if i could find someone who could do that for them uh the assembling of it and i said yes and they were five elder men and it was a small company but profitable and they wanted someone a bit more outgoing someone nice to chat with and a little bit younger so i started the interview and i found a lot of younger guys and they would have time because you're going to <laughs> working alone in a warehouse doing this assembling all on your own. Mm. Day after day, the same job. Can you imagine something more boring? <laughs> I couldn't. Uh, so I interviewed and interviewed. But then one day I got this application from a guy who couldn't spell. <laughs> it was an awful application. But he has been doing the same thing, but for uh, airplanes. Okay. For the defense industry for airplanes. So I brought him in anyway. He spoke pretty bad Swedish. He didn't look me in the eye. He couldn't spell. But he loved doing that. Mm. And no, he found it totally okay to work alone. Mm. And I'm so sure that he had quite severe autism. Mm. And I thought, I can't present this candidate as is for the client. So I redid his whole CV. I wrote it for him. Uh, and I presented him like, I think you should see him anyway. And they saw him and said that he was a bit odd. Yeah, I thought that maybe... But I think he will do the job well. Shouldn't you try? So they actually ended up hiring him because nobody wanted the job. Mm -hmm. And he loved his job. And when I checked in, they said, yeah, he is a bit odd, but he's doing a great, great job. We mm -hmm. love having him here. And he sent me actually a Christmas card for years saying, Petra, I'm so happy for my job. Lovely. Lovely. So with the right person in the right job, anyone could be a super talent because that was his super talent. And what if they have gone for the average guy that left for six, six months later and didn't like the job? That wouldn't have been better. No, I think that's so important what you said earlier is when, like, what people dress, mm -hmm. all these things you could like, easily measure. But mm -hmm. I think the most important thing is what they want to do and how they want to get there. Yeah. And if that aligns with the role of the company, ding, 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 that's bingo. Like, And that was a perfect example where everything aligned there. Mm -hmm. But the culture wasn't what they expected. And like you said, they were trying with the kind of brief, I guess. And it was hard. And 
you what imagine if there was someone who was like yeah i could do it they might have gotten used to an okay performance mm-hmm. with what they thought was mm-hmm. the ideal but the fact that they had to try it mm-hmm. then they had the lovely situation where they actually went with this profile which would have been very hard so i think if you in that situation like i've we've had as a recruitment company like we only do contract recruitment so people come to us usually when they've tried themselves for six mm. potentially nine months we've had 12 months um 12 months is a very long time mm. and i think there is such a good this is my psa about just giving it a shot to someone who if you know they're in line with the role you know they would be happy mm. like that's already checked and you think they can do the job well but then there's another few question marks give them a shot like there is the downside is so low compared to the potential upside here mm. like if it's different if you have a thousand applicants Mm. and you're happy but if you're struggling for that position like in that instance mm. and i know a lot of like specialized roles like a technical artist like mm. there isn't millions of them we can go at like if there's a question mark on one definitely big big kind of highlight of like just giving it a, a go mm. giving it a try because uh, you never know yeah and then and also when you recruit or when you're a manager i would say also allow people to you know listen i I used to be manager for, a, this was a payroll specialist, and we have payroll in gaming industry. I think gaming industry would stop without payroll people, don't you think? Without payroll. Yeah. <laughs> so this is also a role you can find in any gaming company. But this man, he, he hadn't had vacation for ages. He never took it. So we had so many saved days that it was above and beyond Swedish law. Mm. And he didn't want vacation. I said, but you need to have vacation. He, by the way, never had lunch with us either. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he liked his routines very much. And there was flawless salary. We had perfect salaries. There were no mistakes ever. Mm-hmm. And he was calm and he was quiet and he was friendly and super loyal. But I said, you have to take the vacation according to law. But he liked his daily routine. So we found out that the best way for him was to take every Friday. Mm. So he took the Friday. Since he had like 90 save days. Yeah, that's a nice one. So he took Fridays. And I always had payroll in in place. Sometimes you also just need to be kind and out of the box yourself as a leader. Mm -hmm. He didn't want three weeks. He never went to Mallorca. It wasn't his thing. I'm going in two weeks. (laughs) I know he like it. (laughs) You can have your weeks off. (laughs) I I can only do one week. Like when it gets to more than a week, I I start itching. I want to get back into it. Is that so? Yeah, and I think it's it's so important, like what you're saying, like in terms of when, like I think you need to lead as well from as a leader themselves, maybe come up with potential solutions. And I want to come back to what you said about the profile where there was a few spelling mistakes on the CV. Like mm. not everyone will have the luxury of going through a recruiter that can vet everything. Mm. Uh, so I know a lot of people who I speak to who are fantastic at the job, but I know if it weren't for a couple changes, mm. like they might have never had the position. But on the interview, they smash it, for example. Mm. But actually getting to the interview was the hard part because just not everyone knows 100% what to do on their CV. Obviously, reach out um, to people. And do you look for people that I want to find the candidate that is best at writing a CV? Oh, yeah, because no. that's a copyright. That's a different, that's a different <laughs> yes. skill. Yes. And Did you want the copywriter or what? Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Yeah, if it's, yeah, if it's a copywriter role and the CV's got spelling mistakes, Fair enough. Mm. But if it's a submarine person or a technical artist or something very, very specific, mm. which could lend it to a spiky profile and the CV isn't perfect or someone who's been in the industry for decades, mm. I think there's another thing that I heard on a podcast recently was the CV trends are a thing. Mm. What was cool to 10 years ago, five years ago is very different to what is current now. And I know a lot of 
like gaming studio leaders, they might see a CV is like, what's this format in? Because they haven't had to update it in a long time. Mm. And in the current situation where the headcount is different, I think I, it's found where like there's a lot of people who have basically old formatted CVs. Mm. So I think that's another thing where you kind of look at it at empathy. And if you can have that 30 minute mm. culture slash mm. technical fit interview, mm. because you're not sure, mm. have the chat because you never know. Um, I know I've heard from some people from Star Stable that that's happened where the CV was like, yeah. but then you interview them. Fantastic. Yeah. So yeah, definitely. I think that also like a spiky profile might have that. In, you know, Someone with dyslexia who's going to be a creative artist. Yeah. Let them have the dyslexia. Yeah. Don't mind the spelling errors. Yeah. Look at the portfolio and just leave it there, right? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Lovely. Uh, next question, please. So what in daily life can be easily adapted to the neurodiverse employees? We touched on this, but I wonder if you have any more. Yeah, I think... Most of most offices, you don't have your own desk, right? Yeah. Mm. Most people, you know, you have no... Especially now. There's a bit more hot desk game yeah. happening now. Yeah, and, and I personally, I like hot desks a lot. I can jump wherever. Put someone with ADHD and they can probably bump, 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 bump like crazy uh, and don't mind if they're not totally disturbed. Uh, and same goes for others, you know. If you need to feel super focused, maybe it's very good for you to not have a hot desk. Maybe 90% of your team can have a hot desk, but if you say, hey, I really need my own desk, and even if it's not mine every day because I'm only in two or three days a week or once a week, I would like to know that I can have this specific spot every time I join. Then I think you should be open for that. Because what if someone got OCD, you know, real anxiety for not knowing where to put their stuff when they enter the office? And it might be feeling like a very silly thing for someone, but for others, it's critical. Mm-hmm. They cannot perform if they don't know where they put their things. And why not just respect that? It's, I don't think that is super difficult. It links to performance. Like, it's kind of, if you're a leader and you have one of your job, to, one of the things in your job description is getting the most out of people. Yeah. Is that is like that's definitely something we try, right? And I think it's it goes beyond that. I've been here five years. I get my own desk type situation, right? I think it, it's so dependent. Yes, and and also that some people get you know overflow of smell of light of mm. sound. They actually can't concentrate. The average me can probably concentrate, uh, and uh, and I can me you can put in anywhere actually, but a lot of people can't. Yeah, and and yeah, I think you should respect that. Uh, and find ways to solve for it. And maybe not with everyone getting their own big room. Uh, because that's not going to happen. Yeah. But can you do it some some way different anyway? And I think you should. 100%. I think don't be binary with your office plans. No. Adapt, please. <laughs> yeah, make it. And there is actually and uh, uh, there is actually a big report in UK about how you make neurodiverse offices. Oh, okay. Yeah, to segue into that, we're going to move this autumn to new office at Sadamal in nice. Stockholm and I think I'm going to read a report to see how can you make your uh, office neurodiverse uh, mm. included actually not only for people in wheelchair and who can't see but also those with different bri- wired brains yeah. so that different brains also feel safe and calm and can concentrate and perform at their best in the office I wonder because I know distraction is a big thing and mm. I have it. we have an open desk plan evolution mm. and a conversation might be very interesting but I feel mm. like in gaming being distracted once or twice like that mm. you can probably measure that like mm-hmm. that is there's a time and a place right mm-hmm. and i think that's something that you need to do when you're building out the office or when you're thinking about changing uh, what the office is doing absolutely so free seating can be good but it can also be really really bad 
again, it's slider. It's a, it's, yeah. it's pendulum. It's like um, I think the theme here is don't be binary. Uh, no, don't be binary. Don't be too black and white. Have a set of rules, but be able to be a little bit adjustable. Uh, and not with everything and not always. And there might be some really no-nos. Like everyone needs to put in their dishes. There is no diagnosis for not doing that. I can tell us, yeah. mum. <laughs> yeah. You're not born with the inability to do that. Uh, no, no, no. <laughs> some some think they are, but they're not. Oh, Especially yeah. where I live in my home. Oh, <laughs> no. And I have this set of rules for the hallway, by the way, at home, with shoes and, and coats and so on. Nobody follows it. But that comes to management because the vice chair in the family, my husband, he doesn't follow them either. You got to lead by example. How did you say it? It doesn't work at all. <laughs> Lovely. Mm. Um, next question, please. Mm. Lovely. So the next question is about just waiting for it to be pulled up. Thank you. So you let your employees come up with a wish list when it comes to the new office you're moving into. Mm. You are designing a new office. Mm. I know a lot of studios actually think about moving, so you're not alone. So I'm wondering, is there any cool things on that wish list? Yes, there was. It was so funny. You know, we asked, do you want a parking lot? What is important? You know, kitchen and so on. Uh, very few wanted their own spot. Some did. So we know that... Do you know as a percentage? Not, no, I don't. But I know that there were some that really wanted to have their own spot. Okay. And they will. And there will be some that we actually give their own spot. So we con- we make the office so that we can be binary here. It's not one set of standard that applies for everyone because it will not work for everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, 5% wanted a parking lot for their car. <laughs> the rest wanted to be able to commute with uh, public transportation. Nice. Uh, in the city uh, so car parking was not important but the dog was important mm. now we are a girl game with a lot of female employees who like horses and obviously have dogs so so yeah yeah yeah, yeah. It's, it's this dog slack channel you know the pet slack channel is the most more active than every other. yes 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 <laughs> I think that that was my previous company as well. It was in the, in the pet channel. It's here as well. So anyway, 30% wanted to be able to bring the dog. Well, that's a lot of dogs, no? It's going to be a lot of dogs. Like yeah. 200 people and 60 dogs. <laughs> <laughs> that is a picture and a half. No. Is that plan, though? <laughs> to have 60 dogs in the office. No, it's not. Uh, but what, what we have done uh, is uh, that we have created, and this has nothing with neurodiversity to do, more than maybe I'm a bit spiky and very positive towards dogs. I have a dog myself. Mm-hmm. And we're going to have one area where you can walk into the office and where we have four bookable seats. So if you have a dog and book a seat there, you can bring the dog. Wow. And then we have one meeting room where you can also have the dog meetings. Very cool. <laughs> yeah. But everyone who don't like dogs or allergic don't need to interact with the dog. Yeah, and they yeah. cannot run around and bark and pee. That makes sense. And we're going to have a dog policy as well. What's the dog policy? We haven't written it yet, okay. but it's coming. So we're going to have policies for vacation and for performance development and for dogs <laughs> Oh, <wait laughs> in my department. <laughs> I'm with you. So, yeah, your dog's being a bit too loud this week. I'm sorry, we're going to have to put them on the back on track. Yeah, and they need to have vaccine cards so that we know they're vaccinated. Okay. And we're going to put that in the people database. You're joking, no? No, I'm not. Okay. <laughs> I'm not. He thinks I'm joking, I'm not. But but yet again, to have an office that opens up for what people in your company culture want, yes, no matter what it is, be open-minded. And even if it sounds silly, maybe that is really a big difference for someone to actually also want to join and stay in the culture. 100%. I mean, that's when I speak to talent and candidates mm-hmm. and the reason they're moving jobs, money is one factor, mm-hmm. a big one. But there's all these little things which bring able to bring your dog how close the office is. Mm. Is it good vibes? You know, like the culture is massive. Mm. Do they see progression? Mm. These 
kind of benefits which you can't really put a number on, like bringing your dog type thing. Like it's not many gaming studios that you can say. And bringing your whole self, what is important to you. Mm. Uh, I think it comes down to that. And you maybe dog is one way of expressing it. They, people cannot bring their horse. No. Yeah, for we have a limit. <laughs> yeah. uh, but I think bringing your whole self and what is really important to you is important at any workplace. Yeah. Uh, also to create the environment where people want to join. And also maybe express themselves a bit louder than they would have. And I think never diversity and the spiky profiles and openness comes to everything. You don't need to label people to include them. Uh, You don't need to have a label. Because if you see someone needs something very much and they express it loud and clear, and you have a tolerance for expressing your need, that you actually think it's okay that people tell you and that you're not, you know being negative on that one i think that's yeah. super important i think the walking on eggshells mm. which lends to if you're not able to bring your full self because mm. you've seen an example where mm. someone maybe was too much their self mm. and actually got scolded for mm. some reason i think it's probably everyone who can think of an example there like if your culture is so accepting mm. and you can see that everyone is bringing their full self then you just again leading by example you're seeing around you and that doesn't need any labels you're just putting that out to the ether that this is okay ask you know if you, there is something you want involved um, introduced then you can always have that conversation yeah, and and what you really need to put down is like what do we expect if people deliver what you are expecting of them in the role if they work well with others and are positive and you know kind and nice and and behave and do their dishes in the kitchen uh, and, and all of that good behavior that comes with being a good person, a good human. What does it matter if someone absolutely wants their fixed position, if someone don't like to eat lunch with others, if some people find that uh, their after work are awful and they never want to drink in public with others mm. and, and some love the fika, and want to fika all the time because that is where they get their energy. Yeah. Um, and I've been in companies where these things has been extremely sensitive and almost toxic that you yeah. have to come to the fika, you have to come on lunch, you have to sit like in there's that. those chats in the yeah. back room saying, oh, yeah. I can't be bothered. Yeah, or... yeah. And, and I think you should be very, very careful with that. I, uh, I mean, I think when you get into a stage where people are having those type of conversations, mm. like maybe, mm. especially because there might be a situation where you know it's happening and you mm. think, oh, what can I do? Well, yeah. is what we're saying, adapt. It is also about creating an, an honest and true speak-up culture. I've been working in companies where they say, we have a speak-up culture. We do speak up here. And it's so limited. You're <laughs> you're allowed to speak up within this box. Every quarter after the <laughs> employee yeah. service. Yeah, and if and if you're uh, uh, if you don't if you speak up outside of the box, it's not speaking well, up well, anymore. Well, yeah. yeah, but I've been really been through that. And uh, and I also did one personal test myself many years ago this was when i was like 25 mm. um, and uh, it was a middle-aged man who did it and he looked at my spiky obviously profile and and said petra it can't be easy to be so young and sweet as you and have the personal profile as a middle-aged leader who is a man how do you cope with it and i was like what is the guy saying <laughs> excuse me <laughs> it's like it's not a problem for me but maybe for you but I was so shocked I didn't say it. And afterwards, like, what? Yeah. That was actually quite interesting. Mm, yeah, that's wild. Yeah. I think in terms of practicality, because mm. uh, I feel like there's a lot of nuance there. Um, I have an example, mm. which we've started using at Evolution, which I want to share. Um, I wonder if mm. in practice, like, how do you actually make it a truly speak up mm. culture? Mm. Um, do you, I'll use this one example, just anonymous tip boxes. It's like mm. anonymous things where you can just vent 
mm-hmm. not necessarily vent for the sake of venting, like, hey, this would be a good idea. And I think if you do that on a weekly, monthly basis, you don't have to make it a big thing. But the evidence of responding to an anonymous tip and then introducing it two months later, I think that is just so much evidence like, hey, this is a speak up culture. But I'm wondering, is there anything like when you say, because I think Starstay was a truly speak up culture, but you were in one before where it wasn't so true. Mm-hmm. So what is the big difference? I think I actually want to give a lot of praise to our managing director, Yuan. He's super good when people raise their voice and ask questions in the open room in our in our all hands and so on. He's actually, everything is okay. In terms of the facilitation? Yeah, you know, of the questions that people say in open mm-hmm. and so. And I think he's been doing that very well in many. So I think it's also about the senior leaders to actually mm. be curious and really want to listen. And that any question is accepted. I think it is here. Uh, but we also have the possibility, we have a whistleblowing system. Uh, you're, okay. you're obliged to have that according to law, actually, if you have more than 50 employees in the European Union in any country. Nice. So we have that. And we also have a monthly so- short survey where you can add anonymous tips. Nice. Uh, and which we address and inform about. And, and oh. so we show what people have voted and and we also bring up what people said nice. and bring it back. And sometimes it's valid and sometimes, well... They lack context. I think that's a yeah. big thing where mm. I've had this loads of times where I think an idea is amazing. And I'm like, mm. why are we not doing this? Mm. And then I understand the context is like, oh, okay, makes yeah. sense. And I think that's another thing where rather than saying no, mm. saying no with context, I think that's it. Like from a personal point of view, I love understanding mm. why we're doing things a certain way if we can understand mm. in a way. And also, the most important when it comes to neurodiversity and and any diversity is that it really is profitable. When people speak up, you can avoid big mistakes. Oh, yeah. Uh, When people are allowed to bring up the ideas they have, even if they're not the average idea, and maybe nine out of ten ideas are super bad, but the ten can be the one that really, like your pods, they can be the idea that really changed the business. Yeah. Uh, and I have another example. This was also, uh, it was my payroll uh, colleague many years ago. Uh, he was so good in analytics. He saw figures that I, he and number, he was just magic with them. And uh, I understand them, but I not the magic touch that he had. And I changed jobs. I went to another company where I was supposed to be making big analysis of salary cost collect, linked to the collateral bargaining agreement. And it was a huge pile of figures and our numbers and I couldn't do it. That is not where I perform best. So I asked my new payroll and they were like, no, we need to take in like McKinsey for three months. It's going to cost a fortune. That analysis cannot be made. It's absolutely impossible. It was tricky, but I had a demand from the board in Germany and I had to do it. And I was like, what do I do? So I thought I called my old colleagues and say, hey, I have this question and I don't know what to do. They can't do it. And can you just give me a glimpse of where in what direction I could go? Because he had the exact same knowledge. I, we had worked with the same collateral bargaining agreement and set of rules. So I bought his favorite muffin and his favorite coffee, went there morning. I sent over the night before, say, hey, have a short look. And he had made that analysis in a blink of an eye. I said, yeah, I looked on in 30 minutes and I would go like this. Like it was nothing. Mm. It was absolutely brilliant. And the company I went to saved billions because it was a big company. It was a big. Yeah. And, and he did it for a muffin and he didn't understand how good he was. And I was like, do you want to come and join me and change jobs? I've tried to recruit him everywhere all the time, but he's super loyal and he don't want to change jobs. Because also, if you have an employee um, with a spiker profile that find that they can grow 
and live well in a certain area, they are often much more loyal. Uh, a lot of uh, statistics shows and research. Mm. So if you found those super talented people and you let them flourish and they feel safe, they're probably going to stay because I don't think all companies are open-minded in kind. Mm-hmm. I know that even for sure. Yeah, 100%. And I think like, change for most humans is a chore. People don't like it. And I'm, I think if you're in that neurodiverse mm-hmm. camp, like it's even more... Some want change all the time and some don't want it at all. Yeah. You need a mixture of those kind of... Uh, yeah, you want people that. who have that insight from other studios and you want those people that can be a rock, right? Yeah. And just stay and then let them cherish. I think that's such a good example where like, that's a spiky profile. and Yeah, he was super saved. spiky on areas. He could see patterns that I... from my, I understood the pattern was there mm-hmm. because I was smart enough to understand what I should be looking for. But I couldn't... I just couldn't find it. Yeah. And he did it in 30 minutes. Which is crazy because, like, that when you initially went to ask for outside help, they said, Yeah, yeah, this would cost X yeah, for three months. Yeah, yeah. I think that's one thing where please do not assume. Like, mm-hmm. if there's a issue or a challenge that we have a, like, in gaming, happens all the time where it's like, We think this will take three months, mm-hmm. or and then it takes maybe a year. And the opposite happens is true loads of times where this is a two month project and then someone does it in a day. Mm-hmm. And you need those spiky profiles to know that. Um, but he also was super allowed to eat lunch for himself, never join any after work fikas because he hated it. Yeah. He had one day, he was the one with vacation on Fridays. Oh, nice. Yeah, all of that was okay because it has nothing to do with his performance. Yeah. And he outperformed in his job role. And he was kind and friendly and everybody liked him anyway. Now we missed him on the other occasions that we appreciated. But since we knew he didn't like him, it was fine. There you go. And find that with, and this is just one example, but I want all of you who listen, if there are any, find if you have people that need those little bit extra adaption to be their true self and thrive, let it be. What does it matter? Let them perform their way. Lovely. Fantastic. Um, do we have any questions from the chat, Andy? Oh, we have more questions. I'm so sorry. So your company, Star Stable. What do we do in terms of promoting the awareness and understanding of neurodiversity among your staff? So this is more on the company as a whole, I guess. So how do you make everyone able to understand? So obviously we understand it because we are looking at it from a kind of top. Well, sitting here today actually is probably one thing I do. I have invited a colleague. But since this is a friendly and speak up culture, if people have a diagnosis and want to talk about it, they actually do. If they don't want to talk about it, we skip it. Mm. We don't make a big thing of it. We just clear on what we expect of people with regards to performance and deliverables. And then it's a pretty acceptant environment. So just to highlight that, like in terms of the, because I feel like this isn't common knowledge, what we've just discussed over the last hour. You don't think? I don't think it's, it might be a majority, but it won't be like a vast majority. And I think there's, there might, I don't have a number, but I know it's not 100%. Mm. So I'm wondering, like, do you have, workshops classes like if there's another studio listening to this like this sounds something that we need to know like how would you actually go and spread this information uh, you i think all companies during introduction and for all leaders should have ind training inclusion and diversity and then this comes with it this is one mm. part of it okay uh, and there are other parts of it so you if you don't have neurodiversity as one of the parts of your basic ind training in company i totally re- recommend you to do it and it maybe needs not to be more than the 15 minutes Mm. You know, this is what it world means. This is how you can express it. This is why it is important. And by the end of the day, it makes us 
both much more fun company to work for and much more profitable because we will have the capability as a company to bring in more ideas. Yeah. Uh, and that is the why. With all IND, that is the why because we get better by it. So, do you think it comes from the leaders? Yes. Like the, all the leaders, like that's a binary thing. Like, yeah. You need to know about it. <laughs> yeah. You need to know what it is. You, as a leader, you need to be aware of it. And uh, when you lead others, you know, also need to be aware of um, being humble. You know, for people are people are different. They should be different. And if you have a team where nobody's different, then you have a problem. Why is it such a problem? Like I've had this once where like it worked. Like I everyone is the same. Like we just keep hire this type of profile and it works. Because if they bring in someone that's outside, they have to adapt, which in their head will cost resources. I'll give you a good example of that. And uh, uh, another um, it's good to be a, a gig worker like myself because I've seen some companies. And I worked for a company who actually did um, personal tests on everyone. Okay. And uh, if they didn't fit test, they didn't even go to interview. So it was really a stereotype of what kind of brain they wanted. And they had 30% turnover on their uh, on hmm. their uh, hires, new hires. I wonder why. I wonder why. Maybe because everyone was the same. And in a really strong, fast-growing company, you need different minds. So why do you think that's the case? Like, why do you think we need the different minds? Like, why is that linked to turnover? Because I don't think that one set of personal traits fit every role. In some roles, you need to be creative. In some roles, you need to be analytic. Mm. Uh, in some roles, you need to be... Everyone cannot take the lead role. Somebody needs also to actually be the collaborators, the ones that work with others and true others. You need different kind of personalities in a well-functioning team. And you need different kind of brains to think, think differently also. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and of course, if people are way too different, there might be conflict. But in these conflicts, there can also be a lot of you know, positive power and energy. Yeah. And as long as the conflicts are not about true value, about discrimination, about the core Personal we, conflict. Yeah, personal conflict. Business oh. conflict. This. Yeah. Always, you can argue that's a good business conflict can actually be good, but if it's a real, if it's a discrimination thing or someone is way out of line in how they behave, yeah. you know what I mean. Even if I perhaps express it vague now, then it's no good. Yeah. That kind of spikiness I don't like. Of course, yeah. I want people to be respectful and humble and kind and generous and welcoming, but they can have blue hair or be old. Mm-hmm. I don't mind or don't want to have lunch with me. And I think just 10x this because we're in the gaming studio. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. it's a passion-driven industry. There's so many different types of ways to make a game and depends on what type of game you're making, like the demographic of the game. And I think there's so many different aspects to making a yeah, game. We haven't spoken about it because that is not neurodiversity. But of course, if you make a global game in men- like we do for the whole of the world, of course you cannot have a team. Everyone is from one country. Why? Because then you wouldn't understand your audience. What would do the Asian? public want what do the americans want what is extremely important in france how can we elaborate with the germans i think you need to have the understanding if you're working on the global scene no matter what company gaming studio or other company you also need to have a global workforce Mm -hmm. uh, with different uh, race ethnicity background sex but also age Uh, i think it's super important what about age you explained the countries but why is it important to have different age groups uh, I think uh, there is a lot of discrimination against age uh, that, you know, you have this, you are, when you're 35-ish, 35 to 40, you're on your peak, you know, in your career. And then it goes down, especially after 50, 55. Uh, and I think that is really a waste of, 
um, competence mm. of, of experience. And I think if you have worked for 20, 20, 25, 30 years, you come with some set of experience. But as long as you're curious and still lending forward and want to contribute and achieve and learn, then you can be super good mentor for the young and hungry who come perhaps with new idea, with a new set of rules for a new generation. Uh, but they lack the experience and they will make mistakes that could have been avoided if you spoke to someone who has worked longer. Just as the one with a long set of experience can actually really use the good ideas from someone who have a different outlook of it. So also that again will bring up a lot of new good ideas. I think that's a big important word. Uh, like Do you find, are people defining age when they ask you to recruit or they don't talk about it? What kind, what do you uh, hear? Um, uh, sometimes there's requests, mm. um, but it all the vast majority is competence-wise. But there are specific roles or cultures mm. where if everyone is a certain age group, mm. it might be like, well, it might not mesh with the culture. Mm. If we get someone who's double the age of everyone else, mm. and like I'm thinking about that, okay, but what if they're competent? And it's exactly right. Mm. What well, if we can adapt? Like I always lend, like we should have that first stage interview, right? You should have that chat to find out. But I think, I don't know if it's unspoken, but I think the big thing, what you said there is learn. Mm. Like if you have someone who's willing to learn, mm. and I think everyone, that's like almost like a binary thing. I think everyone you need to hire needs to be willing to learn. Mm. If you have someone who is in the late 50s, mm. no. And like you get the vibe in the interviews, like this works, I know it works, and I'm not going to change mm. trouble in my yeah. like this. And I think that is one fear that I think mm. people might have even un- like mm. uh, unconsciously like there's going to be someone who's going to be inflexible mm. so I think look for that mm. have those conversations like we're talking about conversations interviews mm. if there's someone who's been in the industry for 30 years mm. have the interview mm. I like that's like you and just have that first stage to have the chat and if they're willing to learn I, I personally think age doesn't is no longer a factor there no if you have a culture where everyone you expect everyone to do the feature and the parodying and you know, no one has kids. I mean, like, there's only so much you can do. But, like, if there's a situation where you have someone who's been doing what you want them to do and is willing to learn. The worst with those cultures is that all of a sudden everyone has worked there 10 years and all everyone has kids and there is no party at all. <laughs> have you seen those companies? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I think people recognize themselves now when they listen. There are studios that used to be young and fresh, and all of a sudden, everyone is home taking care of sick kids. <laughs> yeah, it's like, okay, now we only will hire the such. <laughs> <laughs> we cannot do this anymore. No, I, th- I think all stereotyping is bad. And back yeah. again, labels are not important, and never ever label someone if they don't do it themselves. Okay. Whether it's age or gender or where they come from or you know, skin tone, whatever it is, don't label people. Listen to who they are, meet them where they are, and and learn. I think that is the best. I think it's so, I, I can't highlight learning enough, and I think learning is a skill in itself, and I think that's a stereotype that, you know, if you're over the age of 50, you're not going to be learning as much or less willing to learn. So, but it's a skill. And be willing to fail and make a fool of yourself. I understand, yeah. Yeah, a little bit every day. A small, a small failure every day is probably good for you. 100%. Yeah. <laughs> that, that means you have stretched yourself a little bit, been yeah. a bit brave. Yeah, if you never fail, then you pretty much are just maintaining, like that's if you yeah. haven't failed. Yeah. Yes. Have you failed with something today? Mm, Not yet. Today? Um, yeah, I was only two minutes before. <laughs> no. Um, Not yet. Uh, you just said not yet, so I'm, I'm kind of worried now if I'm going to fail later. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, of course. Mm. Um, lovely. Um, 
Andy, so we don't have any questions from the chat, but I have some questions from a candidate perspective. So if you were a neurodiverse person, mm -hmm. let's leave it there, and you're applying to a studio, mm -hmm. what have you found that there is kind of like a room for improvement, I guess, uh, regarding CVs? Like not everyone has the luxury of going through a recruiter. Obviously, reach out to us mm -hmm. if you're a gaming contractor. But if you don't have that luxury, mm -hmm. what do you kind of see where, that, oh, that could be done better? Uh, application point of view if i knew that making really good cvs will never be my skill set why even bother learning mm. go and find someone else to help you i'm okay. sure you have someone friends family someone around you uh, but don't hesitate to take the help because probably you want to open the door uh, and you as a recruiter uh, sometimes look for skills rather than the perfect cv but, but I know that if you have 700 CVs, at least in my recruitment career, you read in the blink of an eye normally, especially if you have a lot. It takes like one minute to read the CV. Yeah, Don't I, you agree? If, if sometimes it's even 30 seconds. I Yeah, I do 15 to 30 seconds yeah. before I feel like, okay, I have an understanding whether they're worth diving deeper. Mm. So that's something I'd highlight. Like if you have 15 to 30 seconds, mm. always imagine it's... I mean, the main thing is... In my, you just really need to highlight the things you've done and make it super clear mm. and use I statements, not we statements. Like mm. you can't say you've worked. Like I've have candidates who are just amazing. Mm. And actually after the actual uh, placement, mm. losing my voice a little here, uh, the manager said just some feedback. One second. <coughs> oh, uh, some feedbacks is like he really undersold himself on the CV and I looked at the CV and what I saw was it was a lot of like oh, I was on this team and I did you know I was in charge of this mm. but he was actually made a feature that was used across all the games and saved blah 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 mm. like that billions example like it was such a big thing and it was something that only he did mm. and then he moved on to another studio and then revamped processes mm. there but on the CV he says I was part of this team like you do not want to this is the time to sell it's an ad basically it's an ad for yourself and have the most recent experience mm. at the top, the relevant experience, and just digging deep, right? And just using stats, figures, numbers, even just time. Like, mm. hey, I did something that was planned for two months, but I did it in two weeks. Mm. You know, all these little things and stories. I think people latch onto stories as well. Mm. It's very hard to remember a lot of skills you've used and a lot of kind of not superfluous things, but like things where you just mm. forget. But if you have a story, it's like I came in, mm. made an impact. This is how, mm. boom, you remember that. And as a recruiter, you're like, I want to talk to this person. And that's all a CV is trying to do. Mm. Make you interesting enough to talk to. Yeah. And I it's, it's your way of opening the door. So, yeah. If, you, if you're bad at it, take help. And remember that it's needed. Uh, but still, for, when you meet people, recruit beyond the CV. Always. Yeah. I think LinkedIn is so powerful as well because it's quite... Like, I think a lot of managers actually check the LinkedIn after. Mm. They can see the type of person you are from mm. the post you do, the way you write your... Um, you're just good vibes i think that's i use that a lot but i mm. think you want to be seen as friendly and mm. it comes across with kind of yeah if you're active on social media or anything like that you know just mm. if you are friendly you know show it be yourself don't write the cv in a mm. predetermined way i think just be yourself mm. a little because they're gonna people smile enough to read between the lines and if you are early in your mm. career i wanted to ask you um if you are early in your career you maybe don't have all this experience mm. Like what should people actually be highlighting? What they're curious about, what they want to achieve and where they're heading. Mm. This is my passion. This is what I'm striving for. This is how I can contribute to a team. Uh, and then there comes a lot of energy and creativity and all of that. Mm. 
How do you read energy in a CV? A lot of emojis. No, TG. Are emojis okay or not? Emojis yeah. in a CV? Yeah. No. No. I don't think so. It feels like you're texting. Opinion? I will still talk it's to just... you if you have emojis in your CV. <laughs> I don't have any yet. Maybe I need to. Have... Maybe. No, I, I don't think I should have any. I don't have any, actually. No, I, like an, an icon is different. Emojis. Mm. No emojis, some icons. <laughs> icons for like, hey, Unity experience. You, if you want to put your Unity logo there, as I've seen some UI designers do, looks cool. Yeah. And to be fair, if you're on the artistic side, mm. hey, I've seen some cool CVs where they yeah. divide into three and it's like a... I have seen some really bad CVs and I there was been so bad, so I'm not going to take those example here in yeah. on the on, on line, but no. Be your true self, you yeah. know, and really also say what you want to achieve. If you haven't achieved it yet, then point it out. Yeah, I, 100%. I think if you can align what you want to get out of life yeah. or your next few years, mm. and if you've already... You should already know what mm. the studio wants to do. Mm. There's a link that can be made there. Mm. And if you can make that link, don't even have to address it. Like If it's an application you're making to a few studios, mm. link your ambitions with what they're doing. And you can always do this. You can always find a link where, hey, we're aligned. We hired a lot of junior people also on internships. And if they come, uh, and we have a lot of girls working for us since this is a girl game. And if it comes like, I have played your game since I was 10 years old. And I love it. I'm one of your most devoted players because of this and this and this. And I have started this education because I would love to work with you. Wow. Uh, well, we get quite a few of those. We yeah. interview everyone. Luxury. Uh, that's, such, that's so good. <laughs> uh, like you like, it's somebody who's been studying your game for eight years. Yeah, and like, Petra, I have my own gameplay, and I have written this story, and I have made some extra music also, so I send it in to you. Do you want to listen to it? And can I come for a job interview? They often can. And sometimes it's not the right candidate anyway, or we don't have that position right now, different reasons. But if you really like the game, uh, don't be shy to say, because that passion about the game itself can really overcome other stuff. Yes, 100%. Uh, lovely. We'll wrap it up. Yeah, uh, Petra, thank you. thank you so much. Thank you. Do you want to say anything to anyone who might be listening to this on demand or listen to it live now? My advice to you is to be kind, be generous, be humble, don't stereotype. Uh, try to understand without being having any prejudice, no matter what kind of inclusion and diversity is. And never diversity is just one set, but it can make you extremely successful in your business. So be kind and be inclusive. Love it. Be kind. Always. Fantastic. Uh, this has been the Evolution Exchange Gaming Podcast. If you want to find more events or more podcasts that we're doing, feel free to find us at Evolution Recruitment Gaming uh, online. And also, we're a community-led recruitment company. So, of course, if you need any help, you know where we are on LinkedIn at Evolution Recruitment Gaming. Thank you very much.